listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojah. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're scratching the surface about cat claws. That brings me to my rant of the week. Cat's claw. Period. Now, my furniture hasn't suffered, though, because serendipity, that's my little kitty cat, has been taught the right objects to claw. From the time she came into my house, she received weekly nail trim. So even if she did forget herself occasionally on the furniture, it never caused damage. Yet declawing has become an all-too-common convenience option in this country, despite the fact it has absolutely no health benefits for the cat. Now, we do perform neuter surgeries on our cats, and that's also an elective procedure, but the positive health benefits are legion. Declaw surgery only benefits the human. And what really hisses me off is that kittens often are declawed as a first choice, even before attempting to train. Even more telling, detractors argue that declawed cats suffer long-lasting emotional and physical trauma as a result of the surgery. Now, I've covered the declaw issue on another show called Claws in Effect that featured Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Karen Thomas. They gave their view of handling claw training and the surgery itself. Today, we're revisiting clawing training and declaw surgery itself. And retired veterinarian and holistic care advocate Dr. Jean Hovey sharpens her nails on the issues. So curl up with your cat. And we'll be right back with Dr. Jean Hovey after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Hello! 
I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. My pet experts will be coming to the party to answer your pet questions, and they'll also be sharing their favorite stories and messages with us, but I'll be asking them some tough questions. We'll get their opinions on the hot-button topics like the pit bull ban, pet food, vaccines, religion, politics, and animals, cat decline, and the latest news, whatever's turning the animal world on its head, we'll be talking about at the animal party. This party's got bite. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio, and I'd like everybody to help me welcome Dr. Jean Hovey. She's a holistic feline veterinarian. Well, she's now retired, but she's got a whole host of information to share with us. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amy. Good to be here. Now, I always like to start programs, Dr. Jean, by asking what pets share your life. What kind of critters share your pillow or run around your feet? There are several. They are all felines. I have two brothers that are eight years old that were rescued from a feral mother. And I have a brother and sister act. They're 11 years old and they were uh, rescued on their way to the pound. So when you're a veterinarian, you sort of collect these kinds of, <laughs> this, this happens to you. And uh, you know, they're, they're all so different, though. The personalities are so completely different, every one of them. They're, they're just adorable. Well, let's, let's get right into the topic at hand, which is, or at paw, which is clawing. And uh, how did you deal with the clawing issue at your house? And what did you recommend to your uh, clients when you were still practicing about getting the cats to target the right the right place to claw because I mean clawing is a natural behavior of cats. Clawing is a natural and a very necessary behavior for cats. They use it for communication, Uh, they have scent glands in their feet that that leave uh, scent marks so they're it's it's uh, it's not quite as efficient as pee mail but (laughs) uh, you know they do communicate through the scent they stretch that way I mean can you imagine if you couldn't you know hang on to something and get that full stretch uh that that you know it's just cats stretch so luxuriously Uh, they're just great (laughs) they're kind of yoga experts they really are and uh you can do a lot of things to to target their scratching because they're going to scratch and if you don't give them an option they're going to pick one and it's probably going to be you know grandma's chippendale chair there was a survey that just came out uh, that showed that of all cat owners only, or cat guardians as we say in politically correct Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> that only about half of cat owners even provide their cats with a scratching post. You're kidding. No. Can you believe that? I mean, why? And how have veterinarians as a profession failed to get this idea across to people? You need to provide your cat with, with a an acceptable target. Now, I've had I had another vet tell me that her method was sacrificial furniture. <laughs> That's, that sounds like my house. 
And I have certainly utilized that principle yes, in my own it's, home. It's a decorating choice at, uh, for cat lovers often. Absolutely. And, you know, my, I remember my mom said, you're never going to have nice furniture because you have cats. And I thought, that, well, that's probably true, but, but, in, but I have cats. Right, you and know, in the and balance, I have all the love and affection and, and hours of entertainment watching them scoot around the house like banshees. Uh, you know, that's a choice that I've made. I'd care, I don't care about having you know fancy furniture, but for those who do, there are a number of really great alternatives. There's, for example, there are more than a dozen alternatives for. Uh, there's actually somebody makes a scratching post in. It, that's square and it hinges on two corners so you could actually open it up and wrap it around the corner of your couch. Oh, now that is cool. Is that the coolest thing? Do you there know what that's called? Corner savers? I'm okay. Thinking. Yeah. There are, um, you know, if your cat has already developed a habit on, on an unacceptable object, you can cover that object even with anything loose, a slip cover, a beach towel. Uh, they want the resistance. You can put sticky paws on it or any kind of double-sided scotch tape. I think there's even double-sided duct tape. And, and uh, you know, then the, some of these things, they won't damage the furniture. And it, they don't have to stay on there forever either because all you have to do is discourage the cat from using that object until he finds something he likes better and then you can go back to your normal uh, routine. And then you just make sure what he likes better is the post or the commercial scratch right. that you have provided. Right. And you can. And there are ways to train cats to do that. I mean, praise is a wonderful thing. You see him heading for that corner of the couch. You pick him up. You put him over by the. You hang. You, you kind of put the little paws up there and hook the claws in the in the rope or the matting or whatever you're using on your post or on the cardboard scratcher on the door or on the floor. And, and you praise them. You can use catnip for those cats that respond to catnip. There's, there are just so many alternatives. For, for somebody that is worried about being scratched, there are soft paws. There are those... Wow, soft paws, yes. Soft paws are terrific. Not all cats are going to be uh, totally cooperative with that, but... Describe for listeners, what are soft oh, paws? They're uh, Lee Press-On Nails for cats. <laughs> they call, come in different designer colors, too. Yes, and if you don't want to choose a color like purple or, or royal blue or pink, you can get them in a whole rainbow of colors. <laughs> they're little caps that you, you trim the nail, you put a little drop of glue in the inside the cap, and you slip the cap over the nail. And most cats are, actually do tolerate them pretty well. Uh, they're not very expensive. Uh, a box of, of that will last six months is, uh, you know, about 20 bucks. And you, can, you only need to replace one at a time as they come off, or if you want your vet to do it or your groomer, you can take the cat in and they'll just replace all of them. It's, uh, cats need to scratch to shed the outer layers. as it, Like our fingernails, they grow out. And, right, you know, right. Eventually they crack off if you're, if you're not careful with them, like I'm not. But um, you know, that's a conditioning thing. So eventually the, the caps will come off because those are eventually will be the, the layer that's being shed. But you can easily replace that. Uh, and it's, especially when you remember that you don't have to do 
18 toes at once or 10 or something. Right, you right. You know, if, you're, if you need to trim, you, you know, if your cat's sleeping and you can get one nail trimmed, you do one nail. Sure. They take I mean, 18 naps a day. You can get a lot of nails done in a and, few days. Right, and, and most cats are going to be scratching with their front paws. So if you yes. can clip one nail a day over the period of, you know, a week to to 10 days, you've got pretty much them all done. And then even if they do, you know, just have a lapse in training, it's not going to do the damage. Exactly, because the shorter nails just don't do the damage. Now, something I notice also from a lot of of, uh, folks that I've spoken with is the placement of the post of the scratch object yes. is is so important because cats want their scratch graffiti seen by the entire world. So you don't want to hide it in a back closet somewhere. You need it right out center, dead center, where he's scratching. For instance, well, you start the, right? yeah, you start where he is scratching, and the and the beautiful thing about the post that unhooks itself is that it's right you, there as you pull it away from the couch. It becomes a standalone square post, and that can then be moved, uh, you know, a little bit each day until you get it where you want it. But if you're using a cat tree or some other piece of cat furniture, you know, put it near a window. Make it interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys, they sit around all day with nothing to do in a lot of cases or, you know, harass each other is what happens in my house. <laughs> but, you know, they need to, have, to fulfill all their instincts, and the scratching instinct is incredibly strong uh, kittens three weeks old will start extending their nails and mm-hmm. you know they don't start to really scratch until they're several months old and they can't really do much damage so you actually have a fairly good window of opportunity with a young cat to train them to uh, what you want and one thing you can do is just watch them if they pick the carpet then you want to get them a horizontal cardboard scratcher. Mm -hmm. If they like the vertical stretch, then you get a a taller post. It needs to be sturdy. Um, Carpet-covered posts are not actually ideal um, because that's not necessarily the texture they want. What they like about carpet is hooking into the carpet backing. Mm -hmm. So actually, if... Turn the carpet around backwards. And now they make sisal cloth and matting and all kinds of things. Sisal is a is a tough straw and they make rope out of it you can wind the rope around and staple it on a on a log i mean there's just there's an infinite infinite variety of cat posts and furniture and scratchers and you know you can get one to fit your any decor well i have actually a couple of cedar posts that i dragged from the back 40 out and the cat's been scratching on those for oh 12 years and going so i had a redwood plank it was a one by six plank i carried that around for my cat's entire 20 years and she wore inch deep grooves in it (laughs) And she just loved it. Well, and I think something we need to mention also is that cats are individuals. Uh, Every cat will have perhaps a different scratching preference. Some cats don't scratch much at all, and others do more. And I will tell you, listeners, if you have one house, a single singleton cat in the household, and then introduce more cats, you're going to get more scratching. 
because of the communication, communication. And it marks their territory and stress relief besides if you Very if you so. increase the stress level you're going to get more scratching yes so and you're going to you're going to want to provide a, a variety of surfaces and locations and because locations. you don't want one cat guarding all of the all of the great stuff yes it's like when people are told to provide multiple litter boxes and they line them all up next to each other in the basement <laughs> you know that's not going to solve too many problems <laughs> On that note, and we have a lot more to talk about, uh, there's a whole other issue, declaw surgery and the laws about it that I want to get into, but that has to wait for the next half of our show. So we will continue our conversation with Dr. Jean Hovey after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back, and again, speaking with Dr. Jean Hovey about declawing and the pros and cons involved with that, and I know that there are some new laws out on the West Coast that are banning the practice. So let's just jump right in. First of all, though, what is the AVMA's and the AAFP's position on declawing cats? These are American Veterinary Medical Association and the American Association of Feline Practitioners. What do they have to say about the declawing procedure? Well, all of the professional associations agree 
that decline should not even be considered. It is AVMA's written guidelines and, and ethical policy that you shouldn't even consider decline until you have tried all the other alternatives, and that could take quite a while. So veterinarians that declaw young kittens or, or cats before they've even developed a scratching behavior, that's really a violation of the AVMA's policy. But let's, let's take one step back and, and describe what decline really that is. That was my next question. Yes. Yeah. You know, it isn't a manicure. It, you cannot remove the claw without removing the entire bone because in cats, the nail grows directly from the bone. So what it actually is is the amputation of the last bone at the last knuckle. Or put more um, graphically, I suppose, it is amputating a third of the cat's paws. Wow. So my question was going to be, why is it bad? I think that sounds bad enough. Yes, it changes the way they walk. Um, which is going to lead to arthritis eventually in the in the sh elbows and shoulders spine um, it it's uh, cats are very very good at hiding pain you know they're predators themselves but you know there's always a bigger somebody that's willing to eat you uh, so if you walk around going oh me oh my I sure am sore today uh, you're gonna be somebody's lunch so cats are very very good at hiding pain uh, because it, it's been to their advantage to do that throughout the millions of years that they've evolved it's difficult to, uh, to know how how painful decline is but we know in humans that uh, orthopedic surgery on the fingers and toes is incredibly painful and the AAFP, the feline practitioners, they acknowledge that this is one of the most painful procedures that you can do to a cat. I wanted to ask you, go back just a little, you had mentioned that it, it does change the way a cat walks yes. uh, and you said it leads, it can lead to, to arthritis. What are, are, have there been some studies that have actually made that direct correlation? No, amazingly enough, but the AVMA and the other professional organizations, they are trade organizations, and their function is to protect the income and business of the veterinarians. It's A lot of people think that the veterinarian's oath says, first do no harm. It does not. It's mostly about public safety and only peripherally about animal welfare. So those of us who are taking a real hard look at this, um, you know, I have sketches of the changes in the anatomy of the cat's paws. And what I noticed when I was in practice was we'd get these older cats in for dentals or lump removals or other procedures, you know, 10 or 15-year-old cats. And routinely we trimmed the claws while, we, while the cat was asleep. That was a service, a courtesy that we did. And I noticed on the declawed cats that the joints in the feet were essentially frozen. They were so... Uh, so completely immobilized with arthritis, uh, they, those toes cannot even be moved. And they're shrunken up like that, you know, like a ground pole monkey paws or something. That um, it, The tendons in the, in the feet that are cut retract, and they pull the toe bones into a very unnatural position. So the cat is, it has to affect the gait, it has to affect it permanently, because you are removing a third of the paws, and cats walk on their toes. Okay, so the, the surgery itself that amputates that bone also severs the tendon? Tendons, nerves, blood vessels, ligaments, all of it, yes. And there's no 
provision in the surgery for repositioning those or reattaching them to something else. They're just kind of left flapping in the breeze. And when those heal, there can be a lot of scar tissue. And that's what I saw with these older kitties is that the bony remnants start to scar over and the tendons contract. And, and there's just a tremendous amount of scarring that immobilizes those joints. Well, what can be some of the consequences of, of the surgery? I know that you know people want to declaw their cat to to stop the clawing, yes. but are there other things that may happen as a result of this? Well, one thing that um, the veterinarians say is that, um, you know, people who are immunocompromised or taking blood thinners or have other problems in which a cat scratch could be uh, a health risk, what we need to get the word out is that a fair number of cats who are de be who get declawed become biters. Or if they were already a little aggressive, if they were nipping and biting before, but scratching was the more obvious problem, um, those cats tend to bite more frequently and bite harder. And that has been established in a couple of studies. And in fact, uh, the most recent study and the longest term actually looked at cats up to five years post-operatively found that a third, one in three, 33% of declawed cats develop a behavior problem. And the two behavior problems you can choose from is urinating outside the box or inappropriate elimination or biting. Not, okay. not just, you know, smacking you around, but biting and biting hard. Why the, why the litter box? Well, because, um, you know, these cats are quite painful after the surgery. And in most cases, pain medications, when they're given, which is not always the case, um, even though ethically it should be, when, they, when the pain meds wear off, the, these cats are painful for weeks, and that's documented. But I have not found a veterinarian that provides pain medication for more than a week. These guys are, you know... As they're scratching in the litter box, man, that hurts because those are all raw, open wounds. So they'd rather go behind the potted palm where they don't have to scratch. Or they go somewhere soft, like the middle of your bed, mm. or the pillows on the couch, or something, because their feet hurt. And, you know, when, you, when, when you're a kitty and you squat to pee or poo, then, you know, it changes how you're... Funk, how you're standing on your feet and it you know when you get out of the box the pressure goes one way and then another way and it it's painful it's painful okay for well and as guys. we as we know with cats they can generalize uh one bad experience absolutely one bad experience right. that's very well documented that one just one bad experience an ambush or you know the the dryer buzzer goes off at the wrong exact moment uh and they will never use that box again. Well, what about, you mentioned the pain. So I know that, well, in the, in the, in the days when I was uh, still working as a vet tech and our practice did do declaw surgeries and yes. we used the Resco, which is, you know, the, the guillotine style nail trimmer, nail trimmer mm -hmm. and then wrapped the paws very, very tightly. Now I understand now laser surgeries are what are used and uh, that there's less pain with that, supposedly. But that is actually takes... not true. Okay, please, please. There have been several studies comparing different ways of decline. There are three. Scalpel decline, right. which, which causes more tissue trauma and is more painful initially. 
um, but it may prevent certain side effects down the road, the RESCO trimmers and the laser. And studies comparing them have found that the scalpel declaws are more painful post-op, but between RESCO and laser, there was no difference. And if a study that did find some difference found that difference only lasted a day, and then the laser cats were just as painful as the other. Well, I understand also the laser procedure, it's a burning procedure, so it takes longer to heal as well. Yes, and, and cats can get severe burns unless you're your surgeon is extremely experienced with the laser. These cats have lots of problems. So pain medication, we discussed early before we, we came on the radio that there are some new protocols where you can go back even now five years later after the cat's been declawed and administer pain medications that may help with some of these things? With some of them. One of the things that we find with uh, any surgical pain is that there's a uh, if if pain is not managed during and after surgery well enough, the central nervous system actually becomes hypersensitive and causes more pain uh, than it would have otherwise. If it's called it's a syndrome called wind up, and you wind up the central nervous system so that you know it, if you had a paper cut it would hurt, but if you didn't. Uh, if you had a paper cut that you gave pain medication for r right away it would it would the pain would subside and it wouldn't you know like if you gave pain medication today it wouldn't start hurting tomorrow okay. worse but in in cases of you know severely painful injuries like this if you don't manage the pain up front the central nervous system gets wound up and even the slightest touch, the slightest sensation, is going to be way out of proportion, much, much more severe. Uh, what they're recommending for surgeries now is that you give preoperative, intraoperative, and also postoperative pain. So and before, for, during, and after. And after, right, for any surgery. Um, but declawing is known to be an extremely painful surgery, so it's very, very important that if you're going to do it, uh, which I don't agree that there's really ever a good reason to do it because the side effects are so severe mm -hmm. uh, and the behavioral effects are so severe. If, you, if you're uh, immunocompromised, a cat bite is going to be way, way, way more dangerous for you. But, you know, pain is now thought to be part of the cause of the aggression that these cats experience. That makes sense. Yeah. And so what you have to do now, if pain was not managed correctly, is to kind of go back to square zero and, and sedate the central nervous system. There are drugs that now treat that kind of, what they call neuropathic pain, that the nervous system itself is, is triggering or contributing to the pain to a much greater extent than is than is really warranted you by the situation. Break that cycle. You break the cycle. So you give the you give central nervous system agents and you give heavy duty pain meds, uh, opioid pain medications and things that are really, really effective. So you basically turn off that response and reboot the nervous system so that it can respond in a normal fashion. Okay, well I wanted to touch base um, real quickly here because there have been uh, laws that have been passed right. in California in uh, 
proposed elsewhere about de uh, banning declaw. Now I know that in Europe, over in Europe, that's already the case. Yes. Uh, the same for docking and ear cropping for dogs. Now in this country, that's not necessarily so. And there's a lot of controversy. I personally am against declawing, but I'm also against legislating that because I believe that when it is a medical procedure, it needs to be something between the veterinarian, the, the medical professional, and the owner. And hopefully the veterinarian is counseling correctly. And it, that's a very interesting point that you call it a medical procedure. And it is, in fact, a surgery, but it is not being used medically. It is being used behaviorally. So I don't agree that it is being used as a medical procedure. They're using radical surgery to correct a behavior problem that should be dealt with in a behavioral fashion. So I think personally, as a veterinarian, I think we have removed the surgery from the category of medical procedure because it has no medical benefit for the cat. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely and true. And AVMA says so right in their policy that it is not medically necessary for the cat. So. Uh, you know, it's a fine line to walk, but I think because veterinarians have abused this procedure uh, and used it inappropriately, that uh, I think we have to look at it a different way. Now, ideally, of course, you can't legislate morality, right. and it's very, it, it, you know, I would rather be able to have a dialogue with the veterinarians and, and say, look, this is, you know, the rest of the world has come to the conclusion that this is a cruel and inhumane procedure, and maybe we ought to really be looking at this a little more closely without legislating. But Martin Luther King, Jr. said um, that laws can't change the heart, but they can restrain the heartless. So Very sometimes you do have to legislate behavior that is uh, outrageously cruel. Well, I understand that there is another argument that these these people, the owners themselves, when denied the opportunity to have their cat declawed, oftentimes will, will relinquish the cat to a shelter or just dump him outside. That's true. And for me, it, when it comes down between the cat losing his claws or losing his life, I have to go with life. Well, that's that's a tough call. It's a very Honestly, tough when, call. If you if you're asking if you were to ask the cat. Would you rather have a third of your paws amputated and be in pain the mm -hmm. rest of your life, or would you rather have that life just be cut short? I'm not sure the cats would be choosing a life of invalidism. I'm not sure they would either, and I wish we could ask the cats, but uh, as you said, the one study that you talked about, there were... You said 33%. Yes. So Other studies have shown a smaller percent, but certainly there is an increase in behavior problems. There is an increase there, but then there's also, on the other side, uh, some 60% that apparently are not showing that, and that could be unargued also. I'm being devil's advocate here. Yes, but we can't ask the cat. Absolutely. And cats hide pain, and we can't know. We can't know. In people, I've done some research on phantom pain, and even children who were amputated very, very young as neonatal babies, you know, very, very, very young, 100% of human amputees feel phantom sensation. And about 40% of, of the sensations are painful. 
declawing his ten amputations. And now I'm I'm really lousy at math, but I think that makes it a 400% chance <laughs> of pain. And uh, I think that I think that 400% translates to certainty. Well, it does for me. Well, on that note. I do have to say we're out of time, but I would like to thank Dr. Jean Hovey and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Thanks, Amy. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the free Pet Peeves newsletter available from Shujai.com and visit me at the Cats page on About.com for more behavior advice. Purrs and trills until next time. And when you have a kitten, teach claw etiquette early. And that includes nail trims. Whether you agree or disagree with ban laws, Please avoid the claw. It's not something you want to put your cat through. After all, you don't want your kitty to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.